How do you put yourself on steroids for home loans? We've got guru mortgage broker Zach from Shaw. Stay tuned. We're going to tell you. Good morning. morning sure, financial expert, mortgage broker, Zach joins us again. Zach, we were saying you're, I think, now our most committed guest we've ever had. So um, we will send an award out to you. But this is the yeah, verbal uh, appreciation message. Appreciate it, Bill. Well, well, it, was, it was hard not to because the ladies went crazy um, on, on social. So... Where would, would, would he normally gets ten times more viewership um, from the ladies? So it was it yeah. was hard not to, not to not to get you on again and again and again because <laughs> it's good for the community. I'd love to see those stats, Mark. I've, it's, it's all hearsay at this point, but I'm sure you're not lacking in that department. No. <laughs> and is it true you're coming in on um, Thursday to make an in-person appearance? Yes, the Mega Investor Night, Thursday, twenty third, two days away. Geez, I've got to get my speech written. Sold out. That's going to fit full house. Full house. Sold out. Full house. Uh, we can put you on the wait list if you do want to attend. It is an incredible night. So if you're in the region of the Northern Beaches, uh, Thursday night, six or seven. Shortlist yourself um, and. Uh, just by putting a little message in here, we can reach out. But it's going to be a great night. We've got the best lawyer in town, best broker in town, best accountant in town, best real estate agent in town, all giving short, sharp advice of the current marketplace and where it's going and what you should be doing. I love it. I love it. It's going to be a great night. But this morning's topic, what we've got is um, talking a little bit about how to put yourself on steroids for home loans. How to absolutely get every last sentence out of the bank, and um, what does like a normal income get you for a normal home loan these days? There's a lot of questions. Yeah, it's a that's a big topic. Um, I suppose people should be hustling for that for that pay rise if they're PAYG. I know there's uh, the Labor government committed to increasing wages. 5.1% in their term. So yeah, hustle for that pay rise and get rid of any existing debt at the moment. It takes, uh, it takes amounts off your borrowing capacity. The more... Uh, I always, um, when I'm talking to crew in the office and they talk about car, property, car, property, car, property, um, and not a, lot of the, not a lot of people know, but it's generally... A million times easier to get a car loan than it is to get a mortgage. So I always say to guys in the office, look, try to keep the car that you've got, get the home loan, then get the car loan later, whether it's months or years later. But that the car loan, for instance, is just, or the credit card is just going to smash you. Yeah. Well. I guess there's a lot of a, a lot of hype around the look at me sort of cars, and some people go chasing after them before they're able to. But I mean, what do you really need it for to get you from A to B? So keep it conservative. Run the one that you got into the ground if it doesn't owe you any money. So 
people like that. Yeah. But you were saying for a credit card for every $10,000, you don't necessarily need to spend it on the credit card, but having that liability against you equals the how bank, much? Yeah, the banks take it in limits, right? So if you've got a, a credit card that's got a limit of $10,000, regardless of the balance, the bank's taking it on that worst case. And uh, if you're maxed out at $10,000, they're taking it on that worst case repayment. So they apply a... 3.8% um, repayment rule on that. So they're essentially saying you're paying $380 per month every month and they're factoring into your serviceability that amount. So it goes the same with any personal loans or car loans. For every $10,000 of that unsecured debt or sort of um, mid-level debt, it's taking 40 to 50 k off your borrowing capacity. So it's uh, not, not helping you in either department. I yeah, don't know for a car loan. I guess the opportunity arises in an investment scenario where you might have equity in your existing property and you're levelling up purchasing that first investment or purchasing a second investment, that if you do have the equity, you can consolidate that, that debt or those debts into the loan and that will essentially remove that debt out of your serviceability and put it into the loan, provided you actually have the equity balance in there to cover it. That's yeah. the workaround. So there are, there are options, but for, for the first home buyer scenario, um, obviously you, you're probably looking for that credit history, but you don't want to be, you, you don't want to be over and above what, what your intentions are. Yeah. Zach, I've got a question for you. So the buyers that have been sort of walking around trying to find the right place for, say, three months, six months, some of them, you bump into them, you know the face, you know the name. It's like it's your auntie walking into your open home. But if they were, if they had their, you know, pre-approval set back all, those time, all that time ago, with the recent rate increases, does that change their situation at all? Possibly. So pre-approvals are valid in most cases for 90 days, some banks only 60 days. Um, and it depends, again, the product that they're pre-approved for. If it's a variable home loan, 100% they're, they're subject to changes in rates and a reassessment will happen at the time they wish to go for the actual loan. Um, you can on a fixed product rate lock, but that is an extra fee dependent on which lender you go for. And that will hold the rate only as a fixed product that you're seeking, not a variable product. Um, again, if you if that lapses and the rate changes, you'll be subject to another assessment. But I guess the positive is with getting a pre-approval is that you can have the, the, the solidarity in knowing your borrowing capacity um, to an extent and also the fact that a bank has looked at your financial position and has assessed and has pre-approved your loan so you're already ahead of that process in the sense that the bank has already reviewed your information and your financial position and they have pre-approved you and it's only subject to that rate position come the time for settlement right So oh. two to three months is what the validity is on those. Are you finding, are people a little bit more savvy these days with their money? Especially with, um, you know, what's forecasted or 
What are you saying? I think it's coming out in, in all areas, as I think yourself and Mark touched on last week, a couple of weeks ago. It's all about the essential purchases and the essential activities now. Um, in the last two years, I think people have got a grip on what their what their real requirements are and what they really need to be spending money on. Um, because I mean, 2019 looked like it was going going well, and then COVID came along. So people people are now shoring up against against these sorts of, sorts of things. Yeah, absolutely. Really, the buzzword for 2022. I think it's all about if anyone wants to work out what the property market is going to be doing, what the lending market is going to be doing, what any market is going to be doing. I think if you, it's all going to claw back to what's essential um, in 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 that market. I think it could be pretty clever with the rates going up because it's forcing that essentialness. Um, it's forcing people to think that way. And, and, you know, certainly if you're going to be doing a renovation of a home and you require a builder and you don't need that renovation, that renovation is not essential, you put it on pause, which is then freeing builders up to do other essential works. Um, so, you know, if you're wanting to buy a car and a car on a two-year wait list, you think, is it really essential with the, with the forecast of rates going up for me to be in a new car? No, so you stay in your existing car. I think it could possibly be a really good way to train our our um, our, our people um, to um, to spend better these rate rises. Absolutely, there's definite learnings from the last two years that can be applied to uh, make sure people are in better shape for the next event. Hopefully, there's not one for a while, but. Um, yeah, it certainly swings and roundabouts with with um, the lending at the moment, and as you're seeing in the real estate market, you know it's it's gone full cycle in 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 my lifetime just now. So we've seen seen it dip back down, but um, I think yeah, I think look, looking forward, you know, for for housing affordability again was was the issue that the government had unaddressed, and for first home buyers. Not sure what your thoughts are, but the the state government's pulled the trigger on uh, the scam duty concessions for properties up to one point five million dollars. That should be coming into effect in twenty twenty three. Not sure if you saw that on the on the media this weekend, Mark, or recently. But I think that's a that's a good response again to housing affordability for first home buyers. Say that one again, Zach. Yeah. What have they done? Uh, these, the, the move to concede on stamp duty for properties up to $1.5 million is a serious consideration to be enacted by the state government in their budget yeah. coming out for 2023. So it'll basically mean that uh, people can opt in to pay the one-off stamp duty or they pay $400 plus 0.3% of the property value annually. Um, in stamp duty. So essentially you end up breaking even on what the one-off stamp duty is versus this ongoing payment in around year 10 to 11 on a $1 million property and I think year 13 in for a $500,000 property. So um, yeah, those right. people to get into the game, it's, it, it's, a, it's a cash flow positive initiative for conceding on the stamp duty and opting for an annual payment. There you go. Yeah. Another one I've got for you is 
does the way you present yourself as a on like an application make a difference? So if you've got the option to say you you know self-employed, maybe boost your your base salary a little bit, um, or if you're in a business, you, you know self-employed, can you change the way you structure the way you um you know you present your your income? Does that make a difference? Certainly. Um, PAYG employees are viewed from a servicing perspective differently to people that are sole traders or that are company employed or taking director salaries. Um, PAYG is one of the more simple assessment income types. Um, it's verified yep. by payslip and it's, it's all laid out nice and easy what the deductions are off that payslip, what the gross and net incomes are. When you get to self-employed or directors of companies or those business um, applicants, there are things on a business set of financials that can be used depending on the lender and how they assess things to actually boost the income, uh, such as depreciation expenses. They can actually be added back to a net profit position um, to actually boost the amount of uh, income for servicing. And I guess in, in combination with that, some lenders do also use directors' salaries, directors' wages and partnership contributions, as well as all of these things that get added back to the uh, income used for servicing. So it's scenario by scenario, but definitely um, looking at looking at depreciation, for example. Um, I know it's around tax time now and a lot of people do go and purchase uh, new things for their business to write off. Um, yeah. And asset write-offs are one of those things that some lenders do include as an add-back for uh, servicing. So it is, it is a benefit from a self-employed scenario. Yeah, right. So, Zach, with um, what I've found lately is the advice that I've been telling people about getting a loan is I've been saying get in to see your broker now. So even if they're looking in six or 12 months' time, I've been saying go and see your mortgage broker have a chat with them and not that you're going to get the loan, but they're certainly going to tell you some of the good habits you can start forming in order to get the loan or how you can shape your finances or your income structure or whatever to get the loan. Um, it, does that sort of shit the mortgage broker because they're not writing the business straight away or, or is that good for the mortgage broker because they're going, well, this is going to be an easier loan to write and thanks for coming to see me. This is what you got to. This is what you got to look like on paper in six months' time. Um, how do you feel about that? Oh, look, I'm. I love new relationships, and I think um, from from my perspective, we're in it for the long term. You know, if, if someone's seeking some advice on how to set themselves up with their requirements and goals, we can have a look at their scenario and let them know. You know what what's available to them right now and what might be available to them in the future and say if they do receive that that bonus check or they do receive that, that pay increase or they do pay out their car loan we can run run scenarios for now and for for um you know when they when they hit certain targets and when they complete certain tasks that are uh, concerned with their finances so yeah come and have a chat we can figure out a strategy and what would be some of those steroid injections that you would be telling people that you can share with people now? So what do you typically see someone come in to do a loan on and you go, look, I want you to be, I want you to be 
you know, to play, I want you to change this. I want you to do that. Um, yeah, good question. A good example I had recently, um, uh, a younger applicant recently married with a couple of kids sitting on a nice, nice chunk of savings, but also had about $40,000 in a car loan to pay out. So um, he was he was trying to figure out his borrowing capacity and what he could invest in, looking to invest for the first time. Um, so we, we ran the scenario on the existing position, keeping his car loan, but then given that he also had the equity in his house, we would come up with a strategy where he can actually consolidate with a refinance on his existing house, consolidate that car loan, which then removes that car loan as a monthly expense out of his out of his serviceability and goes into the next loan and actually boosts his borrowing capacity for his investment property. So it worked out better. Instead wow. of him paying out his car loan, it was better because he already had the equity in his existing property. He could then refinance, debt consolidate and still come out with a healthy surplus per month with a new loan and his existing loan with the car loan built in. So he's not only simplified his repayments, but he's also been able to invest in another property. And in that particular... That would have been good for tax effectiveness, I would have thought as well. For for tax-wise, still having that loan shifted over from unsecured to secured would have been a better interest rate and and, uh, and similar tax setup as well, I guess. Yeah, well, I think the car loan was on something like 7.6%, and then you know, the, the refinance was around three and a half. So, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely made it more efficient. And, like, how much would that, you know, change his uh, borrowing capacity in that example? I think running, running the scenario with his car loan still as the car loan, uh, there was about $400,000 different in consolidating and, and moving up with the investment process. Wow. That's good. The that's the steroid here, guys and girls. That's the steroid here. That's the, uh, that's, yeah, that's the steroid injection we're talking about. So something as small as that could buy you almost half a property. Yeah, and even just the borrowing capacity alone was was, was was that greater amount, and with with an amount to that value, you know, you could complete on two purchases for two less amounts. Or you've, you've just yeah. got the flexibility, you know. That's amazing. Juiced up. It's All cool. right, I think we uh, nailed it, guys. I think we just it up well. The best looking mortgage broker in uh, Northern Beaches, Sydney, um, Zach Mature. You've nailed it. You've given some really good nuggets, some pretty good stories to people over there. Um, in summary, guys and girls, I think from from what we've been talking about um, about the steroid hit for home loans. So that one is the naughty car loan. Um, have a look at that. That's one steroid hit. Two, it would be um, try to have a look how you're shaping your income before you actually go for the loan. So rather than just going for the loan straight up, try to get in six months earlier and see if there's any of these tips or tricks that you can apply to for your loan. Third one, guys. Yeah, I think credit cards. Get rid of them. Yeah. Yeah. Credit cards. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. 
depth. But I mean, that doesn't excuse the, the consolidation. So, I mean, depending on your scenario, there's plenty of options. It's all about, as you said, getting in early, strategizing, and then shaping yourself up. And should anyone that's had their pre-approval put in for the last, you know, one month, two months, be worried if they're still looking and haven't found the right place, Dax? Are they still going to be able to, um, you know, service the debt? Well, I mean, purchasing property is probably one of the biggest emotional decisions of anyone's life. So having a pre-approval is good in a sense. It also does put pressure on you to complete and settle within that time frame. So, I mean, I don't know if it's worry, but um, you, you, can, you can seek to have those pre-approvals extended. But again, once you do that, you, you are subject to the current rate. So either settle in the time of the first pre-approval, don't let it lapse, or seek another pre-approval and you can you can figure out if you know, the rate has changed and if the serviceability is still there. That's the show. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for watching. Zach, thanks for coming on. Billy, the kid, the weapon. Thanks as always. Signing off. Thanks, guys. Signing off. Cheers. Thanks, Zach. Catch up.